Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Time Trap. Hello, Eric. Hello, Patrick. So I hear you have like a beef or something. We'll we'll talk about that when we talk about my movie. I'm not ready to talk about it, but I think by the time we get to the movie I watched, maybe maybe then. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm very curious. You sent some ominous messages that got me worried about our well, friendship or I, your state of mind or something. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that I have those same concerns. Okay. Uh, obviously, uh, the mirror version of them. I'm concerned about your mental health and the health of our relationship and, and how I feel about you after seeing something on letterbox, but we'll get to it. We'll, we'll, we'll get, there. I have a prediction of what movie you watched. I, I I'll, I'll, we'll get to it later. Let's let's okay. go and do, do our, our other stuff before we get to the main topic. <laughs> I don't um, have other things. Cause I don't know what happened to me in the last two weeks. I don't know if I watched a movie or not besides the two we watched. So, um, this is all you, baby. All right. Well, I, I had a very busy week. I was on vacation, so I only got to see four movies total. Two for the podcast and then two for fun. And That's crazy. The... You would think being on vacation, you'd have more time to watch movies. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, it was, not a, it was not that type of vacation. It was the, the Gen Con con- gaming convention vacation. So no oh, time right, to watch we're movies. We're also nerds who are not going to play D&D right after this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I'll talk quickly about two movies. One was Polite Society from 2023, directed by Nita Manzor. I don't know if you heard of this one. You might have seen trailers recently. It's the kind of Bollywood-inspired martial arts movie about this young girl. Isn't who, that all uh, of them? <laughs> right. Uh, it's this young girl whose older sisters is is having a traditional marriage and she thinks that her um her sister should not be doing this that the guy is has ulterior motives and she sets out to stop the wedding but it is sort of told in a very surreal way that breaks out into these epic fight scenes where the main character is wearing these you know very flowery green and colorful dresses from the the culture and um very inspired by martial arts movies for sure. Like the fight scenes are kind of aping the Hong Kong martial arts style. The main character wants to be a stunt woman. That's kind of how this goes in that direction. Um, so it's clever and surreal and interesting, but like, I think my biggest problem was I didn't find, I didn't feel like the main character had a real reason to want to be a stunt woman besides she just, Right at the beginning, she's like, I want to be a stunt woman. <laughs> so, what reason do you want there to be? Being a stunt I don't know. is fucking cool. <laughs> it is cool. I, uh, I might just be, uh, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just not getting it. But it, I, I felt like I, needed, I just needed a little more motivation for what the character was doing in this movie. Otherwise, it was, it was colorful and different and very surreal, which I admire, admired. So that's polite society. Did you ever want to be a stuntman or a stunt I mean, woman? Who didn't? Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> remember when we were kids and how cool BMX biking was in the eighties, like that movie Rad? Yep. I yep, definitely yes. wanted to like <laughs> me and the two other kids who lived on my street at the time um, would like, you know, do a really shitty version of that <laughs> and talk about who like could do the coolest stunts. The answer was none of us. <laughs> what kind of stunts would you be able to do? <laughs> so actually, uh, when we were in sixth grade, the summer between sixth and seventh grade, that bridge by that little river between my house and Spotswood was closed. I know it. Yeah, they, they blocked it off with a giant pile of rocks, and we would jump our bikes off that thing. Oh. I scraped up my whole forearm. It was wow. so. Cool. <laughs> he must have been the coolest kid on the block <laughs> well one of the other kids landed the jump so he was probably a little cooler but i looked real beat up <laughs> nice <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, the only other movie I watched was one that you saw, Barbie. Yeah. Greta Gerwig's Barbie from this year. So the first half of the Barbenheimer double feature finally got to it. I thought it was really good. It was uh, colorful and the production design was immaculate. Just the little jokes about the Barbie land, like how there's no water coming out of a shower faucet and you could like walk on the swimming pool because it's not real water. Like just things like that were very funny. I, to me. <laughs> lo- I love that we can talk about it more now that you've seen it because I didn't want to say a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite little dumb things like that, but it's such an attention to detail is when they were like jumping out of their houses or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was intentionally. Actually, I would say it's great wire work because it mimicked like the way they would have been moving if a hand was holding them. Yes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't smooth, like Asian martial art, uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, elegant wire work. It was like very clunky, which I think is arguably probably harder to do to actually make it look like that in yeah, a sense uh, it's yeah, almost like the, we're like puppeteering a live human body that could be very true but yeah the look of that was great just everything in barbie land was great the performances were a lot of fun um you know the the progressive messages were on point totally cool with it yeah maybe it was a little heavy-handed at the end but it, it didn't bother me at all and um I think my only problem was there was just so much going on with the plot and the characters and things that I, not everything worked. It was kind of a bit of a mess. I thought the screenplay, but it didn't really matter too much. It was fast and funny. So I was on board for most of it. Yeah. What would you give it? I gave it three and a half. Yeah. That's what I gave it. We gave it the same thing. I just thought it was a really odd note to end on the uh, continued subjugation of the, the Ken's. <laughs> yes i was more okay with that candy had the same opinion you did where she's like oh that was that that wasn't fair to the kens i'm like well you know it's more realistic <laughs> i think it is realistic <laughs> it was just the fact that they so not to get social commentary e, but mm-hmm. we live in a world where a lot of people don't want to don't agree on the reality um, right of the thing and i think that makes barbie land worse because the barbie's acknowledge and all seem to agree like yep we are living in an extreme matriarchy Mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to fight to even be equal to the women in the real world i was just like that's a weird message when everything else is so like positive or like an accurate biting uh, social commentary like what a weird way Mm -hmm. to end that yeah no i I could see that i could see that i look at it more as like the women are in Barbie land are doing kind of what the men are doing in the real world yeah. now. So it just kind of, you know, worked for me, but I definitely see your point. Yeah. Uh, and I did like Alan. Alan was my favorite. Alan was the best. I love <laughs> Sarah. Yes. So just going online afterwards and looking at all the dolls and things was, was fun to see how accurate they were. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I never played with Barbies. That's how I wouldn't know. No, I just don't remember. I was like, was there an Alan? I asked Gina in the middle of the movie. I was like, was it, was there an Alan? I don't remember. Everybody knows Ken and Barbie. Who's this guy? Yeah. He's, he's a real doll. He looks like he's wearing that same shirt. Of course. that Michael Sarah's wearing. Um, yeah. You can go online. It's pretty funny. So uh, yeah, that was it. That's all I saw. So I guess we can move into our main topic. I guess I guess we can. All right, let's do it. So this was from my watch list. The movie was Time Trap from 2017, directed by Ben Foster and Mark Dennis. Hopper. I can't believe it took two people to direct this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopper. An archaeology professor is exploring a remote cave system to find some missing hippies from the 70s. When he himself goes missing, two of his star students, Taylor and Jackie, set out to look for him. They take along with them their friend Kara and her younger sister, and of course, the pint-sized ladies' man, Furby. It isn't long before they are lost inside the cave, and Furby is dead with a broken neck. But the cave holds lots of secrets. Time dilation cavemen, giant aliens, hippies, a cowboy, conquistadors, and maybe even the fountain of youth. 
the latter of which may prove to be our hero's salvation if they can only survive long enough. Time trap. It was a time suck for sure. <laughs> I, I sense you were not a fan. I, boy, this movie, it was like someone took that one planet. Somebody sat through Christopher Nolan's interstellar. Mm-hmm. and was like, what if we had a whole movie that takes place on the time suck planet? Right, right. And it was just, woo. Well, really I, I, it was, it was a lot of people stuck in one location, which I would think probably gives it points for you. It does. And my God, painful. So yeah, 87 minutes, it's trying to do a lot. And I don't think they had the talent or the budget to make any of it really work. So it kind of comes off as laughable or just amateurish. A lot of it. Uh, but the I think the core concept is interesting about this, you know, cave with the fountain of youth where it's really not about. Um, well, so they they do say that they think that the time dilation of in this cave is guarding the fountain of youth. But I like to think of it more as the fountain of youth is causing this time dilation. Yeah, that was a much people alive longer explanation yeah. for me. <laughs> right. Well, we should, we should explain the details. So inside this cave, uh, time seems to have uh, passed at a much, much, much slower rate. So like one second inside the cave is like a year in the real world. Yeah, I did like, so they're in this cave and they, they, they start to slowly figure it out. Mm-hmm. Despite like what is, I think, a fairly obvious kind of thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's obvious it, to people who aren't in a movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think it should have been more obvious when they're like looking at the sky and see that it's um, like a time lapse of clouds. Yeah, it's like flashing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did like the twist, though, where you think like, OK, that represents a day, mm-hmm. but it's really a year. Right, right. So like, that's a cool idea. And that they figure out how to climb back to the surface and they see the world, you know, I don't know, thousands of years in the future, which is just a barren wasteland with a UFO in the sky. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting concept to see the world advance so much in one movie, like the timeline advanced so much in one movie, but what, kind of ruined it for me was those dumb cavemen it's just like they're in the cave are these like cavemen who i don't know why they're there they're just killing people for some reason they live there duh they live there i know but it's just i don't know it it was pretty goofy and then it gets even for those cavemen that's like tens of thousands of years ago we're talking cavemen who were like not even fully walking upright mm-hmm. you figure that's at least a couple days they would have had to have been in the cave right right like of, of their time yeah so it they it's not like you could say oh they just went, stopped overnight they were nomads and maybe they just stopped in this cave like for mm-hmm. the length of time that would mm-hmm. have had to have elapsed with them in the cave it's insane Right, right. So even if you say, yeah, they were in there a few days, I could buy that. Um, and then, yeah, these strange people from the future are there, so they attack them. Like, I get it. And then you have also a cowboy, conquistadors, and the, and a the alien, hippies. <laughs> the hippies, aliens, all on the I same timeline know. converging. My assumption is that that is not an alien. I think that's what becomes of humanity. Yes, okay. I they're living i i assumed that the spaceship that they showed when the girl climbed out of the cave mm-hmm. was how humanity had to flee their home planet because of you know climate change or whatever happened to it because it was like a dried wasteland right no that's that that could be very true that that was a human they did mention he was giant so i guess we evolved to be giants or just living in a zero g environment you would be taller. right then I was very confused how the, at the end when, so at the end of this movie, um, they kind of get rescued from the people or the aliens on the spacecraft and the hands, the, we only see these creatures hands and they're definitely alien like hands. They're not human hands. So who are they? Are they aliens? Are they 
I don't future know. humans. <laughs> it seems like they found a way to like, stabilize time between the the cave and whatever they're living in. Right. Yeah, I don't know. They figured something out and they're able to rescue these humans. And but I like how the aliens were like, oh, no, fuck these. Even the aliens were like, fuck these cavemen. <laughs> right. You <laughs> think they'd be interested in in any sort of life from the from historic times. They're like, no, we got them. We got the magic water that brings people back to life. Let's just bring these humans. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. And fuck you, cavemen. <laughs> yeah. The favorite part about that scene is like uh, or it might have been the scene before that. But there's a scene where these uh, the humans are trying to climb up this space ladder or whatever. Yeah. And, and they act like, you know, they jumped into a tree to get away from a wild animal because none of these cavemen appear capable of climbing the ladder. No, they don't. They just stood <laughs> on the ground like they watched the humans do that. So even if you could argue, well, well ladders didn't uh, exist in, in caveman mm-hmm. times in the Paleolithic or whatever. Right, right. Like they just watched another thing do it. So like they, they probably could have figured it out. Yeah. Instead, we get the scene of like the caveman slowly realizing he can press the button to like retract the ladder. Yeah, which is much more of a leap of logic <laughs> yes. than just climbing up the ladder. <laughs> yeah, so we're skipping all over in the plot, but the movie kind of jumps around like that. I mean, there's just the random encounters with these uh, people from different time zones. Yeah, I knew I was in for a world of hurt when even the like opening monologue didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. hoppers like looking for this cave or whatever. And there's yeah. what turns out to be him like with a voiceover as he's wandering around this kind of idyllic landscape. My grandfather told me the future can give you anything you want. If you wait long enough, the future will create it, maybe by technology or maybe by making you not want it anymore. Either way, the in the future. Then they didn't create anything. If yeah, you that just was... decide you don't want it anymore, nobody created anything. I know. That's. <laughs> I remember thinking that as well. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I had to I'll rewind it, it to listen to this again. To be like, <laughs> I was also worried at the beginning when I couldn't figure out what his actual job was, like what the students were doing with him. Like, yeah, he was obviously searching for hippies, but I couldn't tell if he was an archaeologist or a, I don't know. Like, I didn't know yeah, what he I was. I assumed an archaeologist or something like that. Mm-hmm. I got Indiana Jones meets MacGyver vibes from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was lots of weird dialogue, especially between him and the students. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, why didn't he want the one guy to go? So he has these two students. There's a girl and a guy. They're not dating, which I thought was kind of refreshing, although they did bring a love interest in for him. Of and course. They, they go to search for their professor. But like, he clearly doesn't want the male character there. He's like, no. So much so that he initially invites the girl and then tells her no once the male character is going to come. I was confused because... I thought he was inviting any of them, but he did invite the girl. I thought so. Okay, see that. And then that when is... he went to pick up the pack that she made, he was like, "I decided I'm going alone, or whatever." When the the male student wants to go. Well, I sorry. The only name I know from this movie is Furby because I thought I was losing my mind. Like, they're not <laughs> right. calling you Furby, are they? <laughs> they are. It's the most memorable character from the movie, in my opinion. He was the best. He was such a horny little dude. He was like a 13-year-old kid who's just hitting on the older woman. Relentlessly. Like, she, it was a Me Too moment, I think. It, it was pretty dated, I thought. And also, there were so much ADR jokes that were like put in after the yeah. fact. that I was like, oh man, they're really trying to make this movie funnier. And it's just, it was kind of groan inducing, to be honest. Yeah, but I did think fart party was a great call sign that they were going to use over the walkie talkies. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah. So when Furby uh, falls down the cave and breaks his neck, I was, well, we think he breaks his neck there. I was very sad because I'm like, this is the only thing that's interesting in this movie so far is this dumb kid. This dumb kid who I thought from his voice, I didn't realize he was 
injured until like you know that they figured out i thought it was going to be an old man furby oh okay yeah yeah i thought so too he had this kind of gravelly voice Mm -hmm. yeah so overall i thought it was had interesting ideas but it was just a mess of a script and they really didn't have the talent or money to pull it off yeah i would agree with that um the murder of Furby, which we find out later, he did fall and hurt himself and then was killed by those goddamn cavemen. cavemen. It's probably why the aliens didn't let them into their ship. Right. They just murder children. They just murder children. They couldn't have that, uh, which just felt so out of place. Like Furby dying felt a little out of place in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then him getting brutally murdered instead of dying from a fall was even worse. Right, right. Even like at the time, we didn't know that they'd be able to bring people back to life with the magic water. But I guess they were thinking that as screenwriters, like it's not a big deal that we kill this character because he'll come back at the end. Yeah. Hmm. So I was disappointed, even though I like my people trapped in a place movies. Oh, wait, wait, can I can I tell you one other thing that I thought was absolutely ridiculous? Please. When the future man or alien or whatever he was mm-hmm. came and they're like, I, I guess he decides to die. He gets in the fight with these cavemen. By the way, that guy should have been basically a god compared to them and even us. <laughs> right. Thousands of years like those that fight with the cavemen should have just been over. I mean, at the beginning, he's like wrecking the caveman, but then, you know, two of them take him on at once and he loses. <laughs> and the plot has to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess. Uh, but he's he's like dying. His He takes his helmet off. And I, I don't know if that's that they can't breathe our atmosphere anymore or what. That's what, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. But they're asking him, like, who are you? Where are you from? Or like, you know, a bunch of actually logical questions. And he shows them like a movie montage of the history of earth that answers no questions. <laughs> yes. But he also can't, doesn't even attempt to speak or he speaks a completely foreign language, but he seems to understand everything they're saying. Mm. Yeah. Which was just, just so dumb. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I agree. I agree. There, that was a... Language, even though he's showing them all these movies and is answering their questions, kind of, sort of. It was such a clunky way of doing it. What what happened to the that guy at the end of the movie too? They did they they, they talked about him putting him. They talked about putting him in the, in the pond that brings people back to life. Um, but I don't know if they ever did. Yeah, I, this movie ends as if it thinks it's getting a sequel. That was the other thing. I was laughing so hard at the end of this movie because I'm like, the 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 one character, the the least annoying by far of all of the people besides Furby, mm-hmm. uh, nondescript girl love interest, right, right, says something like, "We'll talk about that later," which seemed to be a wink to me to getting a sequel. I don't know because they ask like what happened to humanity where are we now nobody seems to care that everyone they know and love is dead right right it's been 20,000 years in the future or whatever (laughs) well I mean Hopper's happy he got his hippie family back yeah oh that was the other turn that these people that disappeared that Hopper was trying to find weren't random hippies they were his parents yes who died looking for the fountain of youth because his sister got an illness or something. Right, right. Like a childhood, I don't remember, was it leukemia? Something like that. I don't remember the details. But yeah, yeah. so they're trying to rescue their child. I get it. Yeah. Why was the crime scene so undisturbed? The crime They show scene. this van, the hippie van that his parents had. Yeah. And like, it's pristine. Well, so it's just like, been sitting there forever. No one's touched it, right? But nobody did years. an investigation. How did well, he I, know where the van was? Why well, right. Well, <laughs> I was unclear as to where he was during this excursion. I'm guessing they left him at home or something. That's what I would assume. But he, how did he find the van? Nobody so they mentioned the, the students mentioned that we would never have found this place without satellite images. So I'm guessing that it was a cold case forever. And now that, now he's actively searching and used 
current technology to figure out where they are. But like, wouldn't he doesn't know that the fountain of youth is real though. No, he doesn't. He's just looking for his parents. So like, wouldn't what he happened tell to him. the cops? Oh yeah. I see what you're oh, saying. My parents. Like there nobody, he didn't even bother having anyone investigate the disappearance of his parents. He's like, I'm just going to go in this time trap or whatever. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I guess he didn't, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well, maybe he didn't want to involve the authorities. He just wanted to find his parents' corpses. He's a vigilante time the, traveler. The corpses of his family so he can load them back in the van and drive them home. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Set them up like a little tea party in the basement. Yeah. Oh, man. Hopper is the real villain of this story. We didn't even, yeah. we didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. So, like I was saying, people trapped in a place elevates it a little bit. Cause I just, cause it's my jam. So I, I'm still only at two stars. I think that's fairly accurate. Two stars. It wasn't mm-hmm. even bad enough to be funny. It was just bad. Mm-hmm. There were some funny yeah. parts, but yeah, Furby, that was about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'll talk about my movie first. Cause I think please, your movie might be. <laughs> okay. Well, I stuck with the cave thing. Um, and I was not in the mood to mood to watch a not well regarded movie about caves. So I didn't know there were many well regarded movies about caves. So I went uh, a different route, and I kind and I did a documentary about the Thai cave rescue called The Rescue, oh. from the directors of Free Solo. Elizabeth Chai. That's where Elon Musk gets really mad at a diver and calls him a pedophile for no reason. <laughs> yes. Because he didn't get to play with his submarine. Right. Uh, all right. Directed by Elizabeth Chai, Vester Holly, and Jimmy Chin. Free Solo duo, which I really liked Free Solo. And what was good about Free Solo was they did they did a very good what documentation of the process and why that free climb was such a, a great feat. And they did the same thing here. Just the nuts and bolts examination of the process, how it happened, why it was so hard to rescue these kids, why it was basically a miracle that they all got out alive. It's very ramming a submarine at the hole. (laughs) Right. Why the submarine was just the dumbest idea ever. Once you know what was happening, like what the real story was. (laughs) He's a billionaire. He can't be wrong. Right. Typical uh, Elon Musk just being like, this is the way to do it without consulting anybody and realizing the submarine was imp- would never work. It's impossible because they have to go up and down over uh, like air bubble in air bubbles and in through narrow things that only a human can slip through. And it's, it takes two and a half hours to get to where the kids were. Uh, and they found them. But like, how fast in- is a submarine? Right. <laughs> they found and the and the and the just the monsoons were happening and the water was like rushing everywhere, causing terrible conditions. And they found the kids like eight hours, eight days after they went missing. And just it's a miracle that they were still alive. It's yeah. crazy. Um, so if you're interested in that story, which is a thrilling, very interesting story, this is just a great documentary that showcases what happened. Nuts and bolts. You get to meet some of the characters. It doesn't get too um, melodramatic. It's just a great documentation of uh, what went down. So I, re- I recommend to the rescue. Cool. I do want to. So before we get to your movie, I do want to mention one movie that I saw a while ago that I want to recommend a cave movie that I thought was interesting and that you would find interesting. Um, it was called The Severed Arm. That sounds like my kind of movie. And the plot is just hilarious. It's from 1973. It's a bunch of guys go caving and they get trapped in the cave and they're there for a while and they are running out of food. So they're like, we got to draw straws to see who has to cut off a limb to let us eat it. So they draw straws and they cut off this guy's limb and then they are immediately rescued <laughs> like right after they cut <laughs> off his arm <laughs> and then the movie is basically like throw it back to him. <laughs> yeah like i'm sorry dude we didn't even get to eat it and then it's and then 
it's um, just a a slasher movie from that point of this guy getting revenge on the people for taking his arm. That's amazing. So that's that, that's just a funny plot. I just wanted to mention that one. Severed arm. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate the recommendation. Yes. So uh, before we proceed, I probably, you know, I should have done this before the podcast because I don't want to feel like I'm taking advantage of someone who is possibly... Uh, suffering from a serious condition so i just have uh nine questions if you could answer as honestly as possible okay do you have trouble making decisions even for everyday things such as what to eat clothes to wear making plans with family and friends and what to read sometimes Um, always never sometimes sometimes okay do you have trouble focusing or concentrating while watching tv playing on your phone tablet or listening to music Sometimes. sometimes always never do you forget the names of familiar objects and use general phrases such as, you know what I mean, or that thing? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Do you get easily confused driving or using tools? Do you get lost in places that are familiar to you, i.e. your neighborhood or the grocery store? Never. All right. Do you find that mis- social cues, which may lead to not understanding what others are saying, laughing at inappropriate times, staying on a topic despite lack of interest by others, and or saying things that are viewed as offensive? I don't know. What do you think? I think it's never, but maybe it would be sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's sometimes for almost everyone. Yeah. Put it down I'll, I'll, as a sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Do you get confused with recalling the day of the week, month, year, important dates, and or do you repeat yourself in conversations? Well, anyone listening to this podcast knows I repeat myself. So let's just say sometimes. <laughs> I think that's a never. I, I, okay. I, right. I don't get confused with the dates. Do you need help getting dressed, remembering to take medication and or handling your finances? No, never. Are these difficulties getting worse? Yes or no? <laughs> no, they're not getting worse. <laughs> Do these difficulties reflect changes from how you were functioning a few years ago? No, I think I've always been this way. Okay. And let's see. Let's see how, where I am on this scale. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> so this says, <laughs> this is more depressing than I thought. Mild indication of dementia. <laughs> Your answer suggests a mild indication that you have symptoms common among people experiencing dementia. So the reason I ask is because the film I watched I went to, to look at uh, Letterboxd for notes about this film, and I saw that you had reviewed it and given it four stars. I know exactly what movie this was. <laughs> uh, well, so my summation of this film is a day at the beach for one family feels like an eternity. Do you still think it's the film yep, you think it is? I know exactly what it is. I knew from when we first started this podcast. <laughs> It is old M. Night Shyamalan. But from 2021, that is correct. So I'm going to yes. disregard your uh, potentially fatalistic uh, diagnosis as given by a nine question internet quiz and assume that you're not demented, which I had hoped when I read <laughs> this review. And I'm going to read through this review for all of our five listeners. Okay. Four stars. One of Shyamalan's best, at least for me, because it hits one of my favorite genres. Actually, you wrote genres, but I'll I'll overlook that. (laughs) And it's your list of people trapped in a place. Whatever the case, it's a neat premise that is executed really well. Hard disagree. Shyamalan sprinkles loads of foreshadowing and callbacks that become very satisfying as the film goes on. Instead, I would say Shyamalan beats you about the face with the most obviously delivered foreshadowing that is annoying and also not satisfying when they're fulfilled. Okay. He does so in a smart way. Absolutely false. Knowing where to place his camera and what to focus on that. I would agree with speaking of camera work. There are some really great roving camera shots that leave certain things happening off screen and focus on certain things at the perfect time. I do mostly agree with that. We'll, we'll get to that a little later. So good again, false. (laughs) It has a bit too many sequences at the end. Agree. And some of the characters are given short thrift. What characters is what I would question. (laughs) It's so much fun to watch them interact during this weird situation. Also disagree. 
this movie okay. is trash and you should feel bad for that review. Wow. Well, I disagree. Obviously I thought it was a lot of fun. I think Shyamalan is a great director has the concepts cool and it just, it moved and it, and the, the way he directed some of the set pieces was really great. And I was having fun, interested the whole time. I think this is everything wrong and a little bit of what is right with M. Night Shyamalan contained in one hundred and eight minute sequence. I think the good is that I do love his visual style. I think he is a very good director. He really knows how to place the camera like for interesting shots. There are a lot of times I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool shot, even like his uh, non motion related shots. And, you know, I'm a sucker for camera motion. So I appreciated there was a there's a scene when they first get to the beach and these three little kids are playing freeze tag and the Mm -hmm. camera just kind of like floats around for a while, like playing with these kids almost as if it was participating in the game. I really, really loved a bunch of the shots in it. I think that's about it. I think the writing was horrible. Sometimes I watch M night Shyamalan's movies and I'm listening to the dialogue and I'm like, I think he was raised by AIs. (laughs) Human beings don't talk in movies like they talk in real life. And a lot of times his dialogue to me sounds like it's a parody of movie dialogue. It is so unrealistic. Right. The dad of the main family is an insurance adjuster or actuary or whatever. And he just like walks around quoting weird statistics for the first like five minutes of the movie mm-hmm. about coffee table accidents. <laughs> it's so unnatural and dumb. And that's his thing because they have to have he is always looking at the future and worried about the future. And his wife, who obviously they're having marital problems because it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, is always works in a museum. So that means she's looking to the past. It's too on the nose. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, the dialogue may not be great. I don't remember any instances from watching it. But I don't know. It's he creates this like heightened world that I was just totally invested in. I don't know why. <laughs> I I think I just, I think it really just hit the, the things I love about people trapped in a place, the different characters interacting with each other, really wild, like set pieces between the characters. I love the pregnancy scene. I love, That's my favorite. Oh my God. Why? <laughs> what? That's what I just said. That whole scene. A six-year-old got another six-year-old pregnant. <laughs> and then they gave birth and the baby died in like 30 seconds. Yeah, that was, that was very was interesting. <laughs> just to be there for like shock value. It was so cheap and dumb. Oh, I didn't think it was shock value. I thought it was, well, it was shocking. But I, I kind of look at it as more of like he's examining all the different things that could happen in this fast forward timeline. And that's just one of the things that could happen. Just like the tetanus scene is another thing that could happen. Oh my God, with the worst one-liner in history. Oh, I don't remember the one-liner. So Rufus Sewell is the best part of this movie. Rufus Sewell is the best part of most movies he's in. And he plays a doctor who has dementia. So as you're going through this movie, you know it's M. Night. So there's going to be some kind of weird take. This is quite possibly the dumbest twist of Mm -hmm. any of his movies that I've seen. Um, We'll get to that. Uh, But, but. He had he is a surgeon and he he's got dementia or some other kind of uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be um, like a more serious mental delusion kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he just goes nuts periodically. He kills a black rapper whose name is Midsize Sedan. That is the <laughs> yes. worst rap name I've ever heard. <laughs> Things like this make me think that M. Night was raised by AIs who just like gave him their impression of human culture right um oh my god where was i going with that you're talking about rufus sewell's one-liner rufus sewell oh yeah so so to to kill him the main wife takes the rusty knife that's been on the beach and stabs him and because the rust goes into his blood it kills him super quickly mm-hmm. yeah. for and she says something like Rust, when it gets in your blood, it's like poison. This brings me to a problem that I really want to talk about. How 
internally inconsistent this movie is with the rules it makes up for itself. Okay. So your cells, they go through this whole deal because by the way, M night missed out on the coolest goddamn opportunity and idea in this movie by not wanting to do special effects because they go, they explain how, or that the problem with this movie is half the exposition is ridiculous foreshadowing and the other half is exposition that characters say with no reason to say it. And they're always right. Okay. Like the, the minerals must be what's changing our cells to grow faster. And they explain that these cells are aging more quickly because of the minerals that are in the rocks around the beach. And you're like, why would they say that? And why is that right? Which it turns out to be right. Uh, mm. But they say, well, it doesn't, do anything with the dead ones. That's why our nails and hair aren't growing because M night didn't was lazy and didn't want to deal with wigs and makeup, which mm-hmm. would be the, how cool would this movie be if Cronenberg did it? And it's like <laughs> weird body horror because everyone is aging. They say about a year and every 30 minutes, I mean, it'd be a different movie. It yeah. would be so much better because this was trash. <laughs> well, I think I would probably like both movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and to get back to this, he Rufus Sewell dies really fast, presumably from rust poisoning. Right. Because his cells are aging. Rust is not a live thing with live cells. How, 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 what is this? Why does the, why do the bodies that are dead rot, which is a cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. His body rots in like a couple hours. Uh, mid-sized sedan's lady friend. Yep. Tries to swim off and dies. And then well, there's no live cells. She's fine. She doesn't age. Nothing happens. Except in this movie, it does because the rules you establish don't matter. I guess when I watched it, I didn't notice that. Maybe it's my dementia or I didn't care about it. Yeah, <laughs> but like just, sometimes like movies, I, I think are really I, sloppy and don't deserve four stars. Well, I also think sometimes that movies get you you kind of um you get on board with a movie early or not on board with it early and that will drastically change your opinion on like the little things like there are movies that i'm like for some reason i'm just instantly against as it starts to unfold and then the little things really bother me mm-hmm. like this one for you probably i don't and think it's a little thing though well okay depends even big things. But what I'm saying is like, sometimes the movie, you just get on board with it. And then there's nothing that is too egregious that it bothers you. At least that's, that was my experience with this one and a lot of other movies, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, this movie's title, I think should just be called inconsistent. <laughs> okay. See, because the age, the, the way people age is inconsistent. The adults in this movie, I know that it appears you age slower because you're older and you change less than these. Kids. Right. Yeah. but they don't age at all and all of a sudden one's deaf and one's blind but that doesn't happen like you could have had such a cool progression of shots to show that like from mm-hmm. a, a point of view and you don't get it you get literally the camera being perfectly in focus mm-hmm. to blurry as hell mm-hmm. in the shot because that's how that's supposed to happen instead of showing this character you know gradually lose their hearing gradually lose their sight right right Um, And the movie treats aging as if our thought processes evolve as we age. Uh And that's not how that works. These two people had a complicated marriage. They, the, the woman was either considering or actually did cheat on the husband. I'm not sure it's explicitly said. Right. Um, And I don't know. It's not handled well, whether this change in his attitude is because he realizes they're going to die mm-hmm. or because he's supposed to be aging. Because at one point he's like, I can't even remember what we were fighting about. And it seems like it's because he's old mm-hmm. as if he had lived the time that passed instead of the, you know, 12 hours or 16 hours that they were on the beach. Well, you know, his brain's also old. That was my read of that. Well, yeah, but the kids do the same thing where one minute they're six years old, six and 12, I want to say. And then when he's 50, he's saying things a 50 year old would say, but also wanting to build sandcastles, which makes no sense. (laughs) Okay, no, I I could totally see where you're going with that. And can we talk Um, about the twist? 
the oh the, the why this they were there on the beach that twist yeah oh yeah go for it they are there on the beach because some person from each group there are what three groups and then i guess four because the rapper was there already um he just got there early yeah yeah well he didn't come with the rest of the people on the on the truck which enters a locked gate so it's very very odd um (laughs) they all have a serious medical condition and it turns out they're on the beach and this kid this is another thing where he just says it and it's right they see this like metallic light reflecting and he's like that's a camera but you can't see anything it's just like you know if light hit a mirror anything reflective Mm -hmm. Uh, so it turns out that they're being observed because there is a pharmaceutical big pharma has taken control of this beach and they're using it to run medication tests yes and they are group number 73 and they all die except for the two kids who figure out how to swim through coral because of the you know child that makes friends with one of the the kids on this thing and they decode a message that his uncle doesn't like the coral so obviously they have to swim through this coral which somehow makes it so that they can get out of this area right makes perfect sense makes perfect sense (laughs) that's not how medical trials work and if you're group number 73 you're talking about conservatively even if some of the groups were one person, say all of the groups were one people, despite this one. Yeah. 73 missing people, three missing persons. Yes. And they try to get around this by saying, well, they took all of our passports and there's a scene with a guy like I deleted his computer at home. People talk to people in the real world. How many people, how many, I don't have a lot of friends and at least five or ten people would know, like, I was going to this island on vacation and I disappeared. Right, right. So now do that 73 times with groups that are probably, this one was about, what, ten people? Yeah, that's a lot You're of talking people. talking conservatively, probably 500 to 1,000 people have disappeared on this island. I agree. I think that is a, an issue with the screenplay. I just didn't care. <laughs> I was enjoying the movie too much. Oh, my God. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Test. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. It's interesting because I'm I'm thinking back on like, so the village from Shyamalan. I also hated terrible. the village. I hated that. And right from the outset, I was nitpicking it, like you are now. But old, I was just I really see, on board I don't with. Think these are nitpicks. These are like well, I, yeah, I agree. Okay. Stupid things. So maybe bigger than nitpicks, but I was doing the same and thing. Don't with even the get to village. like medical trials so so they they try to make it like well this is not not that m night is like advocating for it but the people are justifying this like this one woman didn't have a seizure for what would equate to 16 years right so they have this new drug what medication is there that you get one dose they were dosing the people's drinks with their their medications do they only do one dose well that's they just developed one that's uh you know this is not a real you know, oh my god, it's, it's, it's not a real medical... medicine that could do anything. <laughs> oh. Oh. I was fine with that. It hurts my brain, man. <laughs> so, all right, well, we know I liked it. I had a, a ball with this movie. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. And what what at the end of the day, how would you rank this one? One point five stars. One point five. Wow. Together, it's better than a five-star movie, me and you. That's, yes. <laughs> That's how ratings work, 5. right? When I came upstairs from watching this, Gina was like, I've never heard you mad in a movie before. <laughs> oh, and God. The funny thing You're was, mad I, all wasn't the time. I wasn't mad at it. Um, I was watching the scene where they're like 50 years old. It's the day, the second day that they're on the thing. Yeah. And they're like, you know, in their forties or fifties. And the little girl says like, what do you want to do? Should we keep trying to get out of here? And he's like, yeah, let's build a sandcastle first. And I was like, fuck this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Well, I guess that's why we do this podcast. So we can disagree. Fuck this movie. I stand by that. You know what? You're old. <laughs> I mean, I am. 
I stand by my, well, I might not stand by my four star review. That was after one viewing. If I watch it again, it might drop down to, you know, three and a half, but I definitely liked it. Yeah. It's a shame because I really do love his style. He's like very much like a little kind of Spielbergian in how he frames shots and they all look really cool. Yeah. The Um, Warners. But, but man, I just can't stand his screenplays and he tricks me every goddamn time. Every goddamn time I see a trailer or I read the concept of a movie and I'm like, that's a really cool concept. It's going to be terrible. I've learned not to go to the movies for them at least. Mm. So I guess. At least he's interesting. (laughs) The look on your face. Oh man. Plus he's from Philly and uh, fuck Philly. (laughs) Well, we could almost agree on that. (laughs) All right. Well, let's pick something off of your list for next episode. So maybe we could uh, wash the taste of old out of your mouth. The taste of old was the best part of it. (laughs) I, I looked through your watch list and I picked something that I think is not something we normally do, but it it should be interesting. It is Dirty Computer from 2018, directed by Emma Wastenberg, Alex Ferguson, and a bunch of other people. I just added that to my list today because I was looking at uh, Canopy last night. Mm -hmm. Support your local libraries and Canopy. So definitely use it if you can. You get at least my library gets 10 free views a month. Nice. Um, Mine only gets me three. Oh, it, this is a shorty. Um, it is. The one, yeah, the one on Canopy, I believe, is slightly longer because it's the director's cut. So it's, uh, I believe it's an hour and two minutes as opposed to 49 minutes. Okay. Uh, I love the first review that I just saw right now because it mentions my favorite movie of all time, Eternal, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but make it Blade Runner and gayer. So <laughs> yes. I don't know how this could be bad. This sounds amazing. I'm actually, for the first time in a long time, excited about something you picked for me. Okay, cool. So it is, uh, you know, it's a Janelle Monet kind of music video uh, short film sort of thing. It's a bunch of, um, it's a story set to songs. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was originally conceived as one short or if it was a bunch of shorts that were strung together, but I'm very interested to find out. Got yeah, Tessa really Thompson glad. in it. I was very close. If it wasn't after midnight last night and I didn't have to work this morning, I was like very close to clicking watch. So I'm glad I didn't. Okay, good, good. Now we can watch it together and then see what else inspires us from there. Something from Shyamalan, probably. <sighs> Such sights to see along with my other projects, can be found on ProLeary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.